Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone. Excited for today's episode, taking a little bit of a break from the Dynasty content to look at all the offseason moves that we had um, so far, which has been pretty nuts offseason, the craziest I remember, definitely a lot crazier than last season. I know that in terms of doing our projections, I've got Mark Dinkenbring and Jack Miller here with me from Establish the Run, who helped me do the projections for ETR that flows into all of our best ball rankings. So we're going to go through all those changes. Do want to point out, if you did miss some of the Dynasty content, uh, there's some episodes up on the Establish the Run YouTube channel and the Establish the Edge uh, podcast channel, which you can check out on iTunes and some other places as well. There's a running back prospect pod, wide receiver prospect pod, and actually coming up, at the end of this week with Kyle Daly, one of our graphics guy, but he also runs a dynasty league. Going to take a look at if you're starting a new dynasty league, kind of like what kind of rules and stuff you should do. So a little bit more laid back, fun pod, but this one is jam packed Mark and Jack. So thanks so much for joining me. And we're going to try and go through the news again from like a best ball perspective. So let's start right off the bat. Uh, Mark, I'll actually throw this to you to start since you're out there in Denver, Colorado, a uh, pretty big move with Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. What's your you know, initial thoughts on Russ and how that affects everything from a best ball perspective? Very exciting for sure. I mean, the Broncos kind of seem like the, the perfect team that, you know, had everything but a quarterback. So I think inserting Russell Wilson just elevates their offense, you know, along with Jerry Judy. We've, we've seen him uh, have some struggling quarterback play the first couple of years and then Court and Sutton, obviously, um, and their defense, you know, is is exciting. So, but there's just so many new pieces here with Nathaniel Hackett coming in as the new head coach from Green Bay. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it's interesting. It's obviously great for Jerry Judy uh, and Court and Sutton, I think, primarily. And then I think uh, with Noah Fant traded to Seattle in the deal, we'll get you know an exciting look at Albert O, who's flash in his um, you know sh- short appearances on the field. So I'm I'm excited about those three guys. For sure. Um, you know, overall, I think the biggest question I have about this team is kind of how their offensive pace is going to be. Um, we've seen Green Bay, you know, with Nathaniel Hackett uh, as the OC and but Matt LaFleur is calling plays. Green Bay was, you know, didn't call them any plays throughout the season, uh, was towards the bottom of the league in plays per game, but was hyper efficient. Um, and then in Seattle, you know, we I think like year over year, we kept hearing, oh, let's run some more up tempo. Let's get some more plays get Russell uh, Wilson in rhythm and that never really came to fruition. So I'm, I'm curious this season, whether they're going to be more of an up-tempo offense kind of in the top half of the league. And if they are, then I think it's, you know, going to be amazing for fantasy um, pump for Russ's deep ball with court and Sutton. And then I also think with, with KJ Hamler, you know, I think is exciting the third year in a row, we're excited to draft KJ Hamler and best ball. Um, but, you know, I, yeah. I, I think just like body size a little bit more like Tyler Lockett in that, you know, we could see Russ kind of dropping in the bucket to him. So overall, just great news for the offense. You know, as I mentioned, biggest question for me is just kind of the pace of play here and, and how they're going to get everyone involved. Um, Javante Williams obviously pumped about, but I think, you know, the Broncos are likely to bring back another running back. I'm not sure if it's Melvin Gordon or if they'll go for more of a primary pass catcher. Uh, you know, there are guys like Tariq Cohen and Jalen Richard and a few other older free agents that they could potentially bring in on passing down. So Obviously, you know, in March, still some uncertainty there with the Broncos. But overall, just su- such an upgrade for this offense. Uh, you know, I, I'm confident that Russ still has great abilities despite his down year last year. So overall, super pumped. Yeah, it is it is a difficult situation in some regards, though. Like, obviously, as you said, it's a net positive for the offense. The scoring's up. It'll be interesting to see what happens, not only with the pace, but the pass rate. You know, 
pretty low pass rate over expectation for Denver last year and for Seattle, but you know, in a new spot, like with a, with a much improved quarterback and Russ and not with Pete Carroll, we could see the PROE up quite a bit and it might need to be for some of these guys to all meet their expectations in this new offense. Cause it is kind of crowded. Like you mentioned Hambler, who's arguably like wide receiver four right now, like Tim Patrick's annoying and around and there. Uh, Albert O is someone we're excited about. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane had this tweet. His yards per out run was 2.28 and 1.94 the last two seasons. Targets per out run 28% and 24%. Elite numbers. It's always hard to tell like how that will translate to more of a full-time role with Noah Fant out. Um, so he's someone I like a lot. He's in that area, tight end 12 to tight end 20 or so, where it's like, you know, we, we change target shares 1%. Guys move, you know, up or down quite a bit there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's like the, my only concern. Like, this always just there, there's a lot of mouths to feed right now. And you can see on our rankings, if you're watching on YouTube, we have them up on the screen. But we have Tim Patrick, like, way behind ADP right now. And that's because we're, like, somewhat high on, on Hamler. But um, before I throw it to you, Jack, for your thoughts, you want to point out with both Sutton and Judy – there's assumptions that are difficult to make from a projection standpoint with Judy. It's the catch rate. Like his catch rate has been so terrible. It was okay last year with Teddy, but with lock two years ago it was so horrible that that's something we've manually increased a decent bit. And we've, we're really aggressive on Judy right now. We have him wide receiver 16. And then with sudden it's the target share. Like his target share just absolutely died. His opportunity was not good at all. Once Judy came back the talent of last season and like some of those things, we don't even know if they matter or exactly where to put them. So there's some assumptions to bake in there. Um, Jack, anything that sticks out to you on Denver? Yeah, I think you guys hit on a lot of it. Um, the one thing I will note is that Hackett has had some pretty encouraging quotes from a, a let Russ cook perspective. He said some, some good things over the past week or two about how they're going to build this offense around Russell Wilson, Mark had a good point about the pace because, you know, in Green Bay they had an elite quarterback um, and the offense was built around him, but they still played slow. So play volume could be a concern here, but it, it does sound like they're going to try to mold this offense into what we've been hoping to see from Wilson uh, over his career. Um, the tough thing with with Patrick and Hamler, I think those two guys are really interesting because Hamler has been really you know flashy when he's been on the field and he's had some some real nice weeks but they just gave Tim Patrick a solid extension in November I think three years like 10 million a year um so it, it is hard to be high on Hamler because of that but he's just so interesting in terms of what he's done in the past in terms of from a prospect profile perspective that uh I think I'll have some exposure late in drafts especially with where he's going he's wide receiver 80 right now um and then for Judy, he kind of strikes me as the kind of guy that's just going to just keep rising throughout the summer. You said we're aggressive on him right now. I think as the summer drags on, uh, I think he's just one of those guys where it becomes like a race to see like who can take him the highest. Um, and so I'm I'm intrigued to see how far that ADP is going to climb. Yeah, I think Russ's ADP is actually too bullish right now. He's like QB7 where like I don't, I don't, you know, obviously it's an improvement for him because of the potential for the play calling to be a lot better than it was in Seattle, but that seems aggressive to me. But I do think it's a case where 
you know, you could argue that all of these wide receivers you should take at or before ADP understand they're not all going to hit, but the ones that do hit could hit in such a big way. And one of the ways we do our projections, our rankings, we build in upside cases for people. So like Hamler, you know, his base target share might be really poor and it drags him down, but we'll give him an, an upside scenario where like, well, well, you know, what if he is starting for whatever reason, injury, or he just flashes uh, going over to Seattle, the opposite side of this, I'm really pretty worried. I feel like the market has underreacted to DK Metcalf to start. You can see on our underdog rankings, we have him as wide receiver 19, his ADP is wide receiver 15. I don't really understand why Metcalf is wide receiver 15 by ADP and Lockett's wide receiver 35. I know there's a bit of this narrative that Metcalf is more QB proof. We did see some signs of that last year with Geno Smith. So I understand it a little bit, but man, Jack, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but the gap between these two seems way too wide. And if anything, I'd rather be like behind ADP on both rather than ahead of ADP on both. No, I agree with that. I think I definitely don't think Metcalf is is QB proof. And while the volume should still be there, um, it'll still be there for Lockett too. And so a 20, 20 position rank gap in ADP doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Um, and I think I'm with you that I would rather be lower than ADP than higher on ADP just because with lock, this offense has the potential to be just, you know, anemic. Um, The one thing that I think would have to be baked in is the possibility that Drew Locke like is not the Seahawks starting quarterback because there have been rumors with Baker and other guys, um, rookies. So, so Mm -hmm. I think there is a chance that maybe the market is higher on Metcalf than we are right now because they're kind of assuming that it won't be locked. Um, but I still think that even with that going from Russell Wilson to whoever they do have a quarterback is such a massive downgrade that I think wide receiver 15 is pretty aggressive on Metcalf. And there are a few guys who are going after him, who you can probably project for similar volume um, that are in better situations or at least similar situations um, whose disparity doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me right now. Yeah, and even if it's not lock at quarterback, I mean, if Seattle's play calling is similar to last year and you go from Russ to an average to below average quarterback, like that's a problem running 56 plays per game, you know, having a negative pass rate over expectation. If you don't have a quarterback whose ADOT was 9.3 last year on Seattle, which was like a half yard higher than anybody else, like it's going to be tough to churn out fantasy points and two top 30 wide receivers, one in the top 15s you know, going to be problems. So that's why we're right now, you know, ahead of the market on Lockett, but behind on Metcalf. And, you know, we also got to discuss Noah Fant in this conversation because he comes over in the trade. Him, the running backs get affected. I was kind of hoping it would be Rashad Penny and, you know, we wouldn't have Chris Carson around. The quotes from the team make it seem like it's going to be a battle between the two of them and they're both going to play a decent bit. That's a little bit scary, you know, split backfield on a team that, has a lot of systemic risk offensively. Mark, how do you see Fant and the running back situation shaking out for Seattle? I like Fant a decent amount. You know, he's he's in the lower tight end two range at this point in time, and he's consistently been up in the 16 to 18% target share range when he was with the Broncos. So, um, you know, the, the Will Disley contract and signing there has me a little confused how they'll be utilized. I'm a little worried that fans snaps and routes will just be down as they, you know, utilize the guy they gave three years and 24 million to. Um, and I, you know, you have the added chemistry there with drew lock, but as Jack mentioned, I'm not sold that drew lock will be the quarterback there. Um, 
in terms of the running backs, you know, Rashad Penny and just in this offense, I agree with you guys that I would like to be below ADP. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the best offensive environment to invest in for fantasy. And, you know, with with Rashad Penny, I'm, I'm more bearish than I think the market is at this point. Um, you know, pretty much had five good games to close out the season last year. Three of those were against Houston, Chicago and Detroit. Uh, Houston and Detroit were, you know, two of the worst defenses and rush defenses in the league. So I'm not necessarily buying it there. Um, you know, obviously the first round draft capital helps him, but we saw, we've seen the Seahawks mix in three to four running backs under Pete Carroll, you know, getting touches. And I just don't have, um, you know, much optimism in this offense scoring very many points. So uh, just overall, you know, I, th- I think it's fine. I, I would, I would rather be below ADP on Lockett and Metcalf at this point. And I think Fant is, is kind of appropriately priced. Um, but again, just worried about that Disney contract and, and how he'll be utilized. So you think you would not take uh, Lockett before wide receiver? He's wide receiver thirty-four on FFPC wide receiver. Th- I, I feel like that's a pretty good bargain. Like, yeah, I mean, it's wide receiver thirty. I I don't know. I feel like the Russell Wilson Tyler Lockett connection was so special, and that we saw them, you know, break a lot of big plays on Russ extending the plays, and then fi- finding Lockett streaking down the field. Um, and you know, with so many over-the-shoulder catches, so many ridiculous plays to Lockett and. You know, you mentioned he struggled a little bit more with Geno Smith, and that's kind of the only exposure we've had to lock it without Russell Wilson. There's there's just not really a sample size to go off there. So it's 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 just an assumption on my on my part. Um, you know, Tyler Lockett, five ten, uh, Drew Lock in his career is has typically targeted big bodied receivers. I look back at his Mizzou days a little bit to see who he liked to throw to. His favorite target was six three. Um, so you know, I, I lean t- more towards DK in that regard, but I think you know. Wide receiver uh, 17 is pretty high as FFPC ADP as shown on the screen. But uh, overall, yeah, I, I would rather be below. And, and I mean, I love Tyler Lockett, loved playing him with Russell Wilson. Uh, he was my preferred stack partner, but without him, I'm, I'm worried about the production. Yeah, we do have Lockett ranked uh, before ADP. Mark's going contrarian on us. That's fine, Mark. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But no, you, you do make some good points there. I think for me, it's one of those situations where like – I'm trying not to be overly precise in what's going to happen where, you know, we've seen these guys like a lot tighter in the past. We prefer Metcalf for sure. But if you're going to give me, you know, such a gap in the market, I'll kind of just play the opposite of the market there a little bit until we see things normalize. Um, Let's move on to Cleveland who gives Deshaun Watson a ton of guaranteed money. They trade for Amari Cooper. Austin Hooper is gone and he didn't really get replaced. They did resign. Uh, David and Joku, and that gives them going from basically three tight ends to two tight ends. And for a while there, we were assuming like a third tight end was going to come back. And I know Jack, I think it was you who was pointing out, that, you know, this could be a two tight end show. And if that's the case, like both in Joku and in Bryant look kind of interesting because it's a team that is going to utilize the tight ends. There's not a lot of wide receiver depth behind Cooper and in Joku right now we have his tight end 22. But as I noted, like. 12 to 22 is really tight. I think if you're, you know, you want to bet on the upside of Njoku, which is certainly there, you know, there's opportunity and there's a lot of efficiency upside. I could see it. So Jack, how do you feel about, um, I guess just the receiving options in general, you know, at tight end specifically, but then how you see things with Amari Cooper? Yeah. So with Njoku specifically, I think the, I, I was kind of assuming they would add another tight end with Hooper gone, but uh, it, it, that hasn't happened yet. And so as the summer goes on, I think if, you know, we get into June, July, August, whatever, and they still don't have anyone else, I think Njoku is someone who should rise because if it's just him and Harrison Bryant, he becomes really intriguing uh, in my opinion. 
the big question, obviously, I think with Cleveland is how long the Watson suspension is going to be. Because if it's four games in a best ball tournament uh, where, you know, the end weeks are so important, then four weeks at the beginning of the season really isn't that much uh, of a deal breaker for me. But if it's, you know, half the season or more, which very well could be considering how many um, acquisitions there are and just like how heinous they are. Um, then that becomes something where you really have to factor in. And if it's Jacoby Brissett running the show for half the season or more, then it's really tough to get excited about this offense. Um, but as things stand, I mean, Amari Cooper is the clear wide receiver one. Uh, and then their wide receiver two and beyond that. I mean, right now it's Donovan Peoples-Jones. They no longer had – they traded their first-round pick for Watson. Um, so, like, the the – options available on the free agent market are getting slimmer by the day. So I think Donovan Peoples-Jones might actually enter a pretty decent situation here if they don't add anyone significant. And the number of significant people they could add is getting smaller um, by the day. Yeah, I think with DPJ, we were for a little bit there, we were like way ahead of ADP. And I talked to some people and I panicked a little bit that just you know, just kind of worried about the role for him. Like e- even though the vacant target share is there that if he has the ability to fill it, but as you said, Jack, as the off season moves on and there aren't, you know, the opportunity is going to be there. I think we do have to vacant a little bit more upside right now. We're slightly ahead of ADP, but as I noted, like for a bit there, like there, there's definitely routes for being way ahead of ADP, like more like wide receiver 60, 55 to 60 versus wide receiver 72, which is what his FFPC ADP is right now. Mark, uh, whenever we see a more efficient quarterback, that's generally good news for the running backs. Like the scoring upsides up, the efficiency uh, odds for them increase. We're behind FFPC ADP on Nick Chubb, where you know we get a little bit more of the old school drafters on FFPC, and I think they're not maybe factoring in some of the full PPR downside for Chubb there quite as much like top 10 running for a running back that doesn't catch a ton of balls. We're a little bit closer in line ADP on underdog where the scoring system is better for him, but his ADP is actually behind, but on both sites, we're right now ahead on Kareem hunt. Yeah. I think typically the last couple of seasons, we've pretty much been behind market on Chubb, whether it be props draft season, you know, what have you. And then above on, on Kareem hunt. And, you know, the way the roster looks at this point, you know, Jack mentions, just the, the limited options kind of behind Amari Cooper uh, receiving wise, you know, I think that certainly helps cream hunts case at this point in time. Uh, you know, they've, they've been willing to split him out wide and obviously feature him in, in the passing game a little bit more uh, in terms of Nick Chubb, you know, again, I think Jack nailed it in terms like with, if Jacoby Brissett is a quarterback for six to eight games, uh, just kind of thinking through what Kevin Stefanski is going to do with this offense. I would imagine they lean on their strong O line and their two great running backs and just deploy, you know, a, a heavy run, uh, kind of strategy. So uh, I think Chubb could be a great early season candidate to just get a lot of touches if, if it is Brissett in there for six to eight games. But then again, you know, we get the the limited efficiency that you mentioned Watson will bring um, if he's inserted there. So, you know, overall it's, it's, it's tough. Like we're, we're kind of waiting on a lot of answers here and waiting to see who they are going to plug in at receiver. Um, you know, I certainly like Amari Cooper a lot in this situation, just like looking at Watson's numbers in, in Houston are amazing. Um, they ran the fewest plays per game in the league uh, in 2020, yet they led the league in yards per play, uh, which is just, you know, pretty incredible there. So uh, a lot to be excited about, you know, running backs. I think the suspension would would help them a little bit volume wise, but again, uh, hurt and just efficiency department. 
and between the two, you know, I, I would agree with our rankings at, at the current time and that I'd rather be ahead on Kareem Hunt and a little bit behind on Nick Chubb, just the way PPR scoring works and, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, I will note with Chubb, we do sometimes have a difficult time with someone who's like such an efficiency outlier. And like you, you always want to talk yourself into outliers like, okay, this one's an exception and it's not always the case. With Chubb, it feels a little bit like it might be an exception with his talent, the offensive line, and now mm-hmm. uh, you know strong quarterback play there. And you do have some upside for both of these guys or if the other one goes down, like th- there's a huge upside case. Like if Hunt goes down for the season, like – the upside case for Chubb is there. And some of the round two backs, like we're already baking in full volume for Chubb. We're not necessarily. So there's some pro Chubbness there. It's just, it just seems like it's really baked in to the ADP. Uh, Mark. Yeah. Well, they did resign Dearness Johnson too, which I think, right. you know, we, we've talked about in Slack a little bit it hurts kind of their, their massive upside case. You know, they kind of need two running back running backs to go down uh, in order to get that massive workload. It's a good point. Dearness has been really good. Uh, so the flip side of the Amari Cooper trade, he leaves Dallas and Dallas had a tough off season, definitely losing more than they're gaining mark. How, how high do you think we should go on CD lamb with Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson gone? I think it looks pretty unbelievable for him right now. You know, uh, Dallas has been kind of rumored to, to be taking a wide receiver in the draft this year, which I would expect them to, but with Cedric Wilson gone, um, obviously they, they tagged, um, you know, they're tight end there. Um, like it on his name, uh, uh, Schultz Schultz. Thank you. Dalton Schultz. Um, so yeah, I mean, CD lamb and we've seen him utilized in the slot now wide. So I, I think, you know, his rookie year, like he wasn't on the field nearly as much, I think around 65 to 70% of the time last year that climbed a little bit. I would expect him to be essentially a full-time player this year. Um, Gallup coming back from the ACL probably won't be hundred percent by week one, you know, maybe be eased in a little bit. So I think it's just an outstanding situation for him. Uh, we get Kellen Moore back there as offensive coordinator and we saw them, you know, be really aggressive passing wise uh, early on in the season and just when they needed to throughout the year. So um, I, I love CD lamb, you know, we have him at wide receiver six right now. I think, I think that's a great spot. Like I'm, I'm definitely willing to take him in the top couple rounds. Um, and as kind of Jack mentioned with Jerry Judy, uh, earlier, I think we could see CD Lamb continue to climb, and you know, depending on who they get volume-wise, like it's we're just going to have a, an insane volume projection for him. I think, and he's been hyper efficient. You know, just kind of love everything about CD Lamb's profile right now. Yeah, I mean, the the combination of the quarterback play, the you know potential pass volume, just because they run up pace, not necessarily that they're super pass aggressive, and and now the the vacated target share, more time in the slot, definitely looks great for CD Lamb. You mentioned Schultz got tagged. Um, and looking at some of the peripheral options now for the Cowboys, Jack, I mean, there, there's definitely opportunity for someone. Are you buying Schultz as like a locked in tight end one and James Washington, who they sign? We've had some back and forth in Slack. I know Levitan and Silva like James Washington and Amico a decent bit. I know Herzig is a little bit worried that if Dallas does take a wide receiver in the draft, you know, Washington's the odd man out. It doesn't sound like Gallup's going to miss a ton of time. And, you know, he's someone that looks pretty good right now too. Um, although like the ADP seems like pretty flush. So what do you think of the secondary receivers, Jack? Yeah. Schultz, I think is, is super interesting right now. And I would say he's a locked in tight end one. I mean, it sounds like Blake Jarwin's like career might be over because of this hip surgery. Um, so really he's just the only tight end there. And with Amari and Cedric Wilson gone, um, and with Gallup set to maybe miss the start of the season, like he could be their second target to open the season. 
And then once Gallup gets back, he's still going to get a ton of targets. So I would be taking Schultz. Uh, we had him as the tight end eight. I think that's that's definitely fair, if not maybe even a little low. So I think yeah. Schultz uh, is in for a good year. And then I think James Washington, I, I think we have him ranked as our wide receiver 60 right now, which is 12 position spots out of ADP. It looks like on underdog. Um, there definitely is some risk there if they take a wide receiver and if that wide receiver immediately steps in as the wide receiver three. Um, but I think Washington would still be interesting because he could share snaps with whoever they draft or whoever they add. And then if something happens to CD or Gallup or that guy, like he has a lot of contingent upside as someone who could become um, a high, uh, play a lot of downs in, in one of the best passing offenses in the league. So there, there definitely is some risk with James Washington where we have him ranked because they could and they probably will add someone, but still he's a super intriguing player, um, I think. Yeah, and looking at this, you know, maybe I might have a shift uh, percentage of target share from Washington to Michael Gallup, like maybe just being a little too conservative on, on where Gallup's health is at. That's something that we'll look into. And that's part of the fun working on the offseason projections and rankings is like they're evolving over the course of the offseason. We'll, we'll keep you in tune. Uh, let's jump back to the AFC, though. Jack, like the AFC just gets like insanely loaded and deeper. We get Tyreek Hill going from the Chiefs to the Dolphins, which, you know, maybe knocks the Chiefs down a little bit, but they're still like favorites to win the division among the top teams. That's not going to change with Mahomes there. It does kind of prop up the Dolphins a little bit. And there's a lot of, you know, potential implications. And th this is an interesting spot too, because when we talk about players that can like vastly outperform their ADP, and I'm not saying necessarily Tyreek Hill, um, but maybe like Jalen Waddle, Tua, it's situations where something has changed. And it's, you know, it's not usually like a fourth year guy in the same offense. And here we get some pretty big changes with Dolphins, not only getting Tyreek Hill to bolster the offense, but possibly, you know, a plus EV coaching change, getting Mike McDaniel in there who, you know, comes from San Francisco, where like they were just like the yak gods and the, you know, run game efficiency gods there in San Francisco. So uh, initial thoughts. Uh, from the Dolphins' perspective on Tyreek going there? Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of debate on Tyreek or Waddle and Leone. I know you're a Waddle fan a Waddle because stan. of the, the possibilities <laughs> of him um, getting that kind of hybrid, you know, yak role where they just manufacture him touches and get the ball in his hands and let him do what he can. But I think there's also some risk that um, – Tyreek is a similar player, similar skill set in terms of speed, and they could easily give him that yak god role too or split it between them. Um, so I, I think there's some risk of that. And so I'm still in the camp that prefers Tyreek straight up, and I think that's going to be the popular opinion once the ADP settles. I don't think it's completely uh, settled yet since Tyreek's underdog ADP still looks like it's wide receiver 5 and Waddles is wide receiver 11. But I think in general – I think both are going to fall. Tyreek's going to fall more just because he has more room to fall from wide receiver five. I would say Tyreek is still in that low end wide receiver one camp for me. Um, and then Waddle falls more into like the mid wide receiver two range. I think the big winner here would be Tua just because Tyreek has been such an elevator over the course of his career. Um, and Tua just now has two like fantastic talents to throw the ball to. Um, in addition to Gasicki and Edmonds and all these other guys they have. So Tua would be the big winner. Um, and then I think Waddle falls into the wide receiver two territory and Tyreek is more a fringe top 12 guy. 
Yeah. One of the things I've definitely noticed this off season doing the ranks is like the top 12 to 15 or so quarterbacks, like there's a pretty, pretty big drop off and upside. And like, it feels like a predictable type of upside. So when you get outside that top 15, not a lot of QBs, I think like you can get there Tua might be one that could get there on pure efficiency, uh, on FFPC. We have him QB 17. They have him QB 20, their ADP. That's over the last two weeks uh, on the Waddle thing. Uh, I did just, you know, flip a little more target share to Tyreek as Jack was talking. Maybe I got a little too excited on Waddle, but uh, the the ship chasing guys have really ingrained in me to like go with the younger player in some of these situations. And I guess my gut instinct was that like his, like his role, his target share, like might not change a whole ton. Like he obviously loses this, you know, the high end ceiling of being like a 28% target share guy. Um, and, and I know Tyreek that, you know, some people are questioning like if he's fully healthy or whatnot. So, um, we'll see, but Jack, you make up some good points and I'm going to shift that point of target share from, from Waddle to Tyreek to, to keep Tyreek kind of ahead. Mark, taking a look at the backfield here, we've got Moster, Edmonds, Gaskin. I think it's like rest in peace for Gaskin. He's just, just kind of donezo. The Edmonds Mostert thing is pretty interesting. How do you see the value going for those two players? Yeah, well, obviously Mostert was brought in, you know, from San Francisco. Mike McDaniel loves working with him. Feels like he's going to fit in great in this new offense. Uh, and while, you know, I agree with that on the service level, Mostert is turning 30 years old here in about a week, uh, which is on the upper you know, range for running backs. Uh, David Johnson is also 30 years old and, you know, we've seen a precipitous decline from him and Mostert, you know, consistently banged up. So while I think he will have a role in this offense when healthy and obviously they upgraded the, the O-line with Teron Armstead, I would imagine they make, you know, a couple more additions. They don't have, you know, any, any high draft picks this year, but um, probably in the second or third round, get some more bodies there to help to help secure the O-line. But, you know, I, I definitely lean a little bit more towards Edmonds. Um, just between that two, I agree with you that Gaskin is kind of a distant third. And, you know, we've just seen him consistently replaced um, in the Miami backfield. So, you know, I, I definitely lean more towards Edmonds. I'm, I'm a little worried that in San Francisco, they didn't target the running backs all that much. So I'm not sure if Edmonds will, you know, carry over that target share that he's haw in Arizona, but love the speed there. Um, you know, if Mostert goes down, I think he could obviously get some base work as well alongside Gaskin or whoever else they have uh, in Miami. So at, at current ADPs, you know, I'm a little more excited about Edmonds. Um, but overall, you know, I, I struggle with this just because Mostert's not really going to get work in the passing game, you know, pure, pure efficiency uh, kind of volume guy for, for him. So honestly curious your guys' thoughts on, on what you think there. And if you think a 30 year old running back can stay healthy and, you know, be productive throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, for me, Mostert, you know, two years ago, Mostert's healthy. Like this would be awesome. You know, I'd be mm-hmm. really excited. Uh, and and then I have the same concerns as you with Edmonds, where like, is the pass catching going to be there? Because I think the initial instinct was like, oh, this is great for Edmonds. But like, it's sort of a lateral move in terms of like the expected workload going from Arizona to Miami, and you know, they might throw to him a little bit less. Um, but now I'm looking at the way the ADPs have shaken out, and I think like after an initial buzz people don't know what to do and the uncertainty is creating a spot where like they're both okay values and like, we don't have them as screaming values but on underdog we have Edmonds rb34 most rb39 and the market has them rb36 and rb41 so just slightly ahead i think at those prices i'm buying just hoping that what if this offense is really good you know this <laughs> offense is really good it's efficient you can take some swings on both um what do you think jack 
Yeah, I think so. I'm a little bit higher on Mostert um, just because, you know, I don't, I know we don't want to make too many like 49ers Dolphins comparisons just because McDaniel's there, but I think there is something to be said for McDaniel coming in and immediately bringing Mostert over from San Francisco. Um, and then with Edmonds, I've done some work in the past on like the most desirable running back archetypes. And the big one that stood out was like, these pass catching backs who contribute a little bit on the ground, who stand to gain a lot if someone else in the backfield gets hurt. And although Ed- Edmonds fits that archetype, even if the, the targets fall off a little bit with Miami, just because he is like a, a pass catching back mm-hmm. who we know can take on a little bit of a larger role if something happens to Mostert. And given Mostert's age and injury history, there's it seems like there's like a pretty good chance that like he doesn't make it through the whole season. So Edmonds is interesting to me. Um, from that point of view as well as the point of view that the offense is, is really good. So I would agree that I don't think either of these guys are like stunning values that you have to like go out and pick right now. But like, I think they're both draftable right now at their ADP. So the flip side of Tyreek going to the Dolphins, we go to Kansas City where, you know, we do have it as a downgrade to Patrick Mahomes and the offense overall a little bit. I mean, it's hard not to given the efficiency that Tyreek Hill has had, even if you think Patrick Mahomes is the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which I do. Um, we've got him as the QB three now on underdog. He's going as QB two. I think FFPC, he has fallen down to uh, QB three. And I, I just, you know, I don't see myself drafting a whole lot of Mahomes. So I'm not really taking quarterbacks that early. I'm generally in that like, very next tier of quarterbacks. So um, like, like the Kyler Brady Dak kind of, kind of section, I will say Mahomes ADP this year on FFPC, the slams is like 39 last year. It was like, you know, 24 and FFPC. You also get one point per 20 yards passing, which helps Mahomes over there versus on underdog. If you're doing a super flex on underdogs, like, I mean, you, you kind of, you're taking a quarterback with those top five picks. Even if we have like a running back sneaking up there in our ranks, like you're taking a quarterback just the way the scarcity works out in those for best ball. Um, but yeah, an FFPC or like a more standard best ball, one quarterback start. Like I, I, I think Mahomes is fine. If you can get them like late four, um, I'm not chomping at the bit. I think what's interesting is Tyreek Hill or not, not Tyreek, like Travis Kelsey on FFPC with the tight end premium. We actually have him up to stacking overall, and that has to do with the scarcity of the position and with us feeling more confident in the total target share on the season. At times last year, Tyreek Hill you know, took over a little bit, was like 26 28% type guy, and, and Kelsey was like low 20s, but we've seen Kelsey like can be pretty firmly at a 25% mark, and with the tight end premium scoring, it's just massive for him. But like He is also like an aging type player, so... I don't know, Jack, like, how do you feel about Kelsey like that high up in the tight end premium best ball rank? I think maybe second overall is, is a little bit aggressive just because Mm -hmm. of the age getting up there and he did, you know, fall off a little bit last season, but I have been taking him a lot more um, in the underdog drafts. I don't know if maybe the market just hasn't like reacted enough, but I think Kelsey is, has not like jumped in ADP. Like I kind of expected him to. Yeah, it's 22.3 right now, which is you know, quite a big discount. I mean, he was like seven or eight last season. Yeah, and so right now the the tournament that 
underdog as open as the Superflex. And so it's really, really easy to get like the Mahomes Kelsey stack. Um, and so I have a few of those because in, in the Superflex, I'm taking Josh Allen, Lamar, Mahomes as my top three, which I think is what we have in the rankings too. And then you can easily come back and get Kelsey um, in the second round to get the stack there. Um, in one QB, I think I mostly agree with what you said about how I'd rather wait for that kind of next tier um, with the the Kyler and the Herbert and those guys, as opposed to taking Mahomes without Tyreek. And then Juju, I'm really high on Juju. Um, I don't remember if it was Jack or Mark was like a little worried with how high we were on Juju and me and Amico were like, don't worry. Juju's Juju's going to be fine. We have him right now as wide receiver 25 on underdog. His ADP is wide receiver 33. I like, I'm definitely guilty of potentially having confirmation bias here where I've just been a big Juju fan. I've made all the excuses for him with Ben and Pittsburgh and then Deontay Johnson being the target hog. I just think like, I mean, there's such a clear path to targets you know, the, the wide receiver competition for him, obviously Kelsey's huge competition. He's going to get his, but at wide receiver, like, I mean, like Hartman and MVS to me just seem like capped on what they can do. I just don't see any of them earning a big target share, which you're going to give Juju 20 plus percent target share from Mahomes. I almost feel like I'm free rolling whether or not he's still good, but maybe that's too bullish of a take. Uh, where are you on Juju, Mark? I, I'm in line with you mostly in that. I just think the role... Uh, you know, just got so much worse the last couple of years with Big Ben's arm strength and just the way that Pittsburgh offense ran. Uh, when you look at his yards per target, you know, in 2021, it's 4.6. And in his first two seasons, it was 11.6 and 8.6. It's just been on a steady decline since then. So I am, a, a you know, more of a believer in his talent. I think this offense will bring out the better of him uh, than we've seen. You know, I am a little worried just in terms of loading him up with a lot of volume. There was a report on NBC Sports Edge that, you know, Kansas City's looking to trade for a top wide receiver. Uh, I could definitely see them adding, you know, another piece. I'm not, don't think like, you know, MVS really stands in for Tyreek's, uh, Tyreek Hill's role very much at all. Um, you know, with all these offseason changes, I just think it helps Travis Kelsey the most. Um, sure, he did come down a little bit from his, you know, just epic 2020 season, but it was pretty in line with his career averages. So, you know, I feel fine targeting Kelsey. Um, and then with Juju, yeah. I like where we have him ranked. I'd rather be aggressive. Uh, and I think just the biggest risk at this point is them adding, you know, another receiver that can get between 15 and 20% target share. But I agree with you that MVS and Hardman do not, you know, intimidate me in, in terms of accumulating targets there. So I'm, I'm fine being ahead of the market on him. Yeah. I'm sure I'll talk myself into some more guys too, as the off season goes on. But like right now to me, wide receiver seems like it starts to get a little bit shakier when we get in that, you know, mid to, to back end of the twenties, the wide receiver. I mean, three, I mean, that's a wide receiver three price tag on Juju. Like I'm just, I, I'm just buying right now um, until, until they make a change. I think the upside just so significant here. Um, and that sometimes maybe we underrate like the range of outcomes again, when you have these like new situations for guys, uh, but we have MVS coming here. Hard men uh, does make Mahomes more stackable in best ball because you can get, Juju, Kelsey, MVS, and Hardman, like all way later, like than you would stack with him last season, and Mahomes himself. So that's interesting from a tournament perspective. Uh, I can see, I, I wonder if Hardman gets steamed this year or not. It seems every year he gets steamed up. Last year, I know early in the offseason, we were high on him, and then the market like flipped two to three rounds on him over the offseason. 
Um, Jack, any thoughts on like Hardman MVS? Like, I, I just feel like at this point, like Hardman is who he is and he's just kind of capped. Am I being too short-sighted there? No, I agree with you. And I think maybe some of the reason to not steam up MVS and Hardman right now would be what Mark talked about with them potentially adding someone, whether that be in the draft or a trade or, or whatever. Um, and that was part of the reason I was also, it was me who brought up the, maybe we're too high on Juju, but that was also um, in my defense. That was when he, we had him wide receiver, we had him wide receiver 20. Um, I think wide we backed 20. off a little bit. Okay. I might've gotten a little crazy. Um, I'm gaslighting Jack here by changing the rank. And then... <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I still think MVS, especially as like that deep threat, even if they add someone, could still be appealing. Um, and so I kind of expect like me, I kind of personally think like I'm going to end up being a little high, uh, higher than the market on MVS because I think he does have, have some intriguing upside, even if he doesn't have like the, you know, smash potential, right. like a hundred plus targets, it's still a valuable role as the deep threat for Patrick Mahomes um, being, you know, on the field every play. So I think MVS is interesting there. Um, the Rojo truthers, I guess we could talk about too. I think we we probably need a second look at Casey running back situation somewhat tough for us right now where CH is obviously still there, you know, early in the off season. I was kind of like, I think we should be buying CH again. Now I'm a little bit lukewarm to that, but just, yeah, they've signed Ronald Jones and we don't know. I think between Daryl Williams and McKinnon, it's not quite clear yet, like which one of those guys is going to be gone, which one's going to be back. I think we're kind of assuming one's going to be back, one's gone. Um, but there is like, you know, I think Rojo has some upside if he takes like the pure rushing work a little bit more. But it's just weird because that's like they view CEH as like that pure rusher, even though everyone thought he was drafted to catch a ton of passes. So that's been strange. Thoughts on the backfield, Mark? Yeah, I agree. The roles are a little confusing. Uh, you just you know, mentioned it. CH has been more of a base back there. Um, I, I still expect them to bring in, you know, one of McKinnon or Daryl Williams or another one of those, you know, pure pass catching running backs that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I certainly think the Rojo signing hurts CH the most uh, just with that base work. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Ronald Jones is, is a great rusher. Obviously we've seen his issues catching the ball. Uh, Tom Brady was not happy with him and, and, you know, Kansas city, their running back target share is, is relatively low compared to the, you know, average in the league. So, um, Overall, I don't have a huge stand at this point. I'm still kind of waiting to see if they bring in anyone else. Um, I agree. I, I mean, just all the signs on CEH, you know, if, if he wasn't a first round draft pick, then I, I think like people would be moving on from him pretty quickly based on the based on the production through his first two seasons. So, um, you know, overall, not super excited about anyone in this backfield. I just think it'll be a little muddled. And um, obviously there's there's potential for some spike weeks. But at this point in time, I'm not too sure who I would be targeting in, in best ball. It's also been a strange backfield where you know the fantasy points haven't necessarily followed in the way you would expect for such a premier offense. We did see something like that with Buffalo the last couple of seasons where like it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And then finally it did happen for Devin Singletary down the stretch. So maybe with Tyreek Hill gone, there is some more high value touches there. But um, yeah, it, it's right now it's a pretty muddled situation. But sticking to AFC West, that just, you know, another huge gain. Devontae Adams goes from the Packers to the Raiders. I think for Adams specifically, uh, we've dropped him from the wide receiver one. We had him and him and Cup like vying for like the wide receiver one spot. We've dropped him to wide receiver four. 
behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I feel really confident in that ranking, you know, just ahead of Stefan Diggs, where I think the volume is just still going to be so good for Devontae Adams that, you know, the floor ceiling combination, whenever you can command that type of target share. And Derek Carr has been incredibly accurate, super high completion percentage. And, you know, they were aggressive throwing the ball. We'll see what they are under McDaniels. Um, so I feel confident in him, but I do think he loses some upside where he was just a special connection with Rogers and especially like that goal line usage and whatnot, where I'm going to take my bets on, you know, the young studs and Jefferson and chase uh, Mark, do you agree with the wide receiver four designation for Adams? Yeah, I think it's fair to dock him a few spots. You know, I, I think the landing spot still is really good for him. Um, you know, just in green Bay, there just really weren't that many, uh, you know, target competitors there. He was he was one of the rare wide receivers we would confidently project for a 30 plus percent target share every week. You know, by the end of the season, it was pretty much him and Cooper Cup. And then Justin Jefferson, when Adam Thielen went down, we we kind of got up near that range. But it's a pretty elite crew to be a part of. So I think now we're, you know, more at the 25 percent range on Las Vegas, which is obviously still extremely strong. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty excited about this offense as a whole. We saw Josh McDaniels when Tom Brady was in New England. You know, they were consistently in the top five top 10 in terms of plays run per game I would imagine with all the weapons they have in this offense that they run a pretty up-tempo scheme uh their defense at this point in time is not strong so they're going to need to put points up on the board so I, I really like this offense actually the more I look into it um you know I think the the addition of Devontae Adams honestly like might even help Darren Waller a little bit he would get double teamed so much uh Brian Edwards and um, you know, Zay Jones last year were just not separators. So they could, they could focus so much on Darren Waller. And then I think it hurts, you know, Hunter Renfro a little bit just because he's more reliant on volume rather than the big explosive plays, uh, kind of like Darren Waller and, and Adams. So yeah, I, I like still being aggressive on Adams. You know, Derek Carr is definitely very competent. Again, I'm, I'm excited about the Josh McDaniels hire. So, you know, I'm pretty much buying in on, on this receiving core here for Las Vegas. Yeah, and I'm in agreement with you where I think Renfro is the shakiest value of the bunch. He's the one we have most behind ADP of you know the top skill players on Las Vegas, where um, you know it just hurts. He's he, he's someone that's going to fill like the, the vacant targets, but he's not going to earn them over Waller and Devontae Adams, and those two alone could be like 50% of the targets for for the Raiders. Um, for the Packer, well, I guess. As far as quarterback rankings, why don't you take a look, Jack, at both Rodgers and Carr with this shift? You know, does Carr have enough juice to be a QB one now? And how far does Aaron Rodgers fall in your your opinion? Yeah, with Carr, I, I don't think I would take him in the top twelve. He might end up placing there at the end of the season. I think he's been like high in QB two the past couple seasons, and now he has Adams. But if you're actually drafting, I think you have to factor in the upside. Um, more and I really just without the rushing ability I don't think Carr has a ton of potential to finish as like a top five guy I mean we saw Brady and Rodgers and, and some these guys who don't run finish way up there with the the dual threat quarterbacks last year but I don't think Carr kind of has that that kind of efficient season in his um, range of outcomes and so I would still let Carr drop into kind of the the QB 13 to 16 range before I'd want to take him. And with Rodgers, it's kind of a similar deal in that he doesn't have that type of super high end efficiency outcome anymore without Adams. And so he's someone who also falls into like a fringe top 12 guy. And I know it's like Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP, but without Adams and without rushing ability, I think it's kind of hard to sell yourself on Rodgers having that massive league winning season. 
Yeah. And right now we have the, you know, we weight the ADP in our rankings a little bit to kind of keep us somewhat in line market, especially like positionally with quarterbacks. So we have Rogers is QB 11 on underdog. He's QB 10. If we stripped out the ADP from it, I think he'd be more like QB 12. Like Lance might step ahead of him and might look at Stafford too to leapfrog Rogers. But I'm definitely worried for Rogers. There's more downside than upside there. So I'm in complete agreement with Jack as far as uh, the quarterbacks go, um, as, as far as the impact of Devontae Adams on those two quarterbacks. Uh, but now there's like just this crazy target share and Mark put in our show notes, we have right now 37% of the team's targets going to an imaginary unlisted wide receiver, uh, which is kind of what we do because we don't want to over project volume just because it's there short term for players that, uh, one, you know, aren't good enough to earn that volume and two, a case like this, where it's just quite clear, like that somebody's getting added somewhere. It's just, we don't know what level of investment that's going to be, whether it's a first round draft pick or like fringe water, you know, fringe free agent, but it's going to happen to someone. Uh, I'm like pretty bullish on Aaron Jones though, where I just think we could see him utilized a ton between the past game, the ground. I think the offense could revolve around him quite a bit, but it is like, it's always risky to take a running back on a team where the offensive scoring and upside could, could have just taken a big hit. So I know we're ahead of market on Aaron Jones. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about Jones? And then after that, you know, the wide receivers that we do know are on green Bay um, in particular, Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. Yeah. So I looked at the splits of Aaron Jones without Devonte Adams on his career. He has 61 career games with Adams in those games. He averages 3.3 targets per game. Uh, and 17.4 receiving yards per game. So, you know, obviously that includes a lot of his early career stuff. So uh, probably, you know, uh, get, get a little higher receiving yards per game over the last couple of years when he's been more featured. But in eight career games without Devontae Adams, he jumps up to 5.9 targets per game. So almost three more targets per game and up to 48 and a half receiving yards per game. So obviously those are, you know, pretty elite numbers for a running back in the receiving department. And there is so much target share open here in green Bay that I could definitely see them using him more in a receiving role. Um, so yeah, I, I like being above market on Aaron Jones. And then I think also with Devonte Adams, he was so dominant around the goal line and, you know, we'd see Rogers like kind of, you know, check out of a lot of run plays and just, you know, flip it out to Devonte Adams one-on-one. Uh, and I think they're, they're going to miss that aspect this year. And, you know, Aaron Jones is their best touchdown scorer outside of that. So I think he could, you know, continue being efficient around the end zone and, and, you know, the receiving aspect I think is really strong for him. So definitely like being above market on Jones uh, in terms of the other receivers, you know, I think, I think there is some room that we could come up on Alan Lazard. Um, you mentioned the 37%, yeah. like they would, they would need to sign, I think three receivers for, for that to fill all of it. Um, or, or draft, you know, even if they draft like a, a rookie wide receiver in the first round, I don't think we're really going to be giving him, you know, much more than like a 20% target share. So I think there is a little room to come up on Lazard. Um, and, you know, he's had solid games without Devontae Adams. Obviously, the consistency really hasn't been there and he didn't earn too many targets when Adams was out there. But, um, you know, it was just uh, Adams was just, you know, it was like a heliocentric offense. He was just the center of everything in the passing game. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little more excited about Lazard, I guess. Um, and no, you know, I, think I think that's right. That's someone yeah. we'll, we'll bump after the show probably. And then I, I don't know, obviously there's a lot of other uncertainty. Um, you know, I know Amari Rogers was, 
kind of like a little sleeper coming into last year. Maybe his role grows a little bit, but he could barely even get on the field last year. So don't really know how to feel there. Um, you know, Randall Cobb, super old. So I, I just think there's going to be a lot of fluctuation there. Um, and then I do think Robert Tunyon is kind of sneaky, interesting at the tight end position. We saw him be super efficient a couple of years ago with Rogers. So if that, if that uh, volume increases at all, you know, I think that's good for him. Obviously he missed most of last year with the injury. So I think Tunyon is, you know, kind of a sneaky guy. Uh, we only have a 10% target share. I could see him potentially getting up into like the 13, 14% range, depending on who they add there. Yeah. And Tunyon, you know, he, he makes his bank kind of like on a huge amount of efficiency. So expecting that to claw back a little bit, but it could be offset by volume. And, you know, same thing with that goal line role you mentioned with Aaron Jones, like that applies to Tunyon a little bit as well, where he could take advantage of the short passing uh, with Devontae Adams gone. Okay, uh, let's stick in the NFC. And I think like Tampa Bay is an interesting team to talk about with the Brady on retirement and then some of the re-signings they've made. I doubt this last, but right now, I kind of think the market's like, especially on underdog, is just like dragging on Tampa Bay a little bit too much. I've done some super flex drafts and the quarterbacks go way early but like Brady's there like mid three sometimes. And we have him as QB 10, even with ADP baked in, pulling him down a little bit of QB 17. Uh, Leonard Fournette to me is really undervalued right now. Um, it, there's always an interesting discussion around Fournette. He's like one of the more polarizing running backs, but um, I mean, he just carved out such an insane role by the end of the season. Um, there's just so many fantasy points for that backfield. You look at the two playoff games they had, the first game, Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard combined for like 35 fantasy points. Fournette comes back the second game. He scores 30 fantasy points. Um, I, I'm pretty bullish on Fournette. If he's going to have an ADP in like the fifth, sixth round, like I highly doubt that last, but I think he's like a second, third round player even. So, and then Godwin gets re-signed. This team too, if you look, if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see uh, in air yards per game last season, Tampa Bay had 343 air yards per game. Uh, nobody else was above 310. Like there's an insane amount of opportunity because they have such a high pass rate of expectation and Brady doesn't take sacks. He doesn't throw the ball away. It's so many opportunities. They're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the league. So we're, we're really high on the Tampa Bay offense in general. Um, Jack, I guess I want to ask you about Fournette specifically because you do a lot of good running back work for us around, you know, we kind of want to focus more on talent versus situational stuff, but obviously there are limits to that. And I was just thinking as a thought exercise for this season, like DeAndre Swift versus Leonard Fournette, kind of like, do you think that's a clear-cut case for one over the other, or how do you see that? See, I think I think in that situation, I think that's kind of where like Fournette is going to end up. Um, but I don't think that the ADP has really caught up, and I think that's kind of why – we might look like we're super high on uh, on Fournette right now because like right. Brady on retired recently and then Ronald Jones also just signed with uh, the Chiefs recently. So I think some of that, I think we're definitely going to see Fournette uh, rise up. Like we have him RB12 there. I think that's kind of where he's going to end up. Um, and I think the RB21 price tag or RB16 or whatever he's at on underdog right now is is kind of just the result of the, the Brady retiring being recent as well as the Ronald Jones leaving being recent. Um, so now it's like literally just Fournette getting all the work there. And so I think he ends up in that low end RB one territory. Got it. 
Um, Mark, do you have any thoughts on Tampa Bay in general? We also, I didn't even mention like Gronk is back too. So it's, oh, did he officially it, sign or it, maybe he, it's, I, I thought it sounded like he was trending towards being back. I guess it's not official yet. Um, but then they did sign Russell Gage. That third wide receiver did become a problem for them when they lost Antonio Brown last season. And right now Gage is the one guy in Tampa Bay. We're like right in line with the market on. Um, I do wonder if there's like maybe a little bit more upside than we're giving him just because there's some contingent value. And it did seem like they use, you know, they will just cut out like the Tyler Johnson, Scott Miller completely if they have a, a, a trustworthy third wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I would expect him to be out there, you know, almost every down. Uh, they typically run through wide receiver sets. Obviously, O.J. Howard left for your Buffalo Bills. Um, so if Gronk does come back there, I would imagine, you know, it's pretty much one tight end, three wide receivers, one running back. Um, you know, I I agree that we should be bullish on this offense as a whole. You know, with Byron Leftwich coming back, there's a lot of continuity there. Uh, obviously, Brady back. You know, I think the biggest question is, can he do it again at age 45? Like, it's just, it's just unbelievable what uh, he's putting together at the – late end of his career. So, you know, with Godwin uh, potentially being limited to start the year with his torn ACL, like I think Gage, you know, I think we could be a little bullish on him. Obviously this, this team is one of the most aggressive in terms of pass rate over expectation. You mentioned how many air, air yards they have per game. Uh, we saw Gage have more of a downfield role with the Falcons towards the end of last season when they, you know, were pretty much just out of options other than him and Pitts. So, you know, I think it's a good fit. Like I, I imagine he'll be out there a decent amount, as I mentioned, um, you know, Mike Evans and, and Godwin are certainly target hogs in, in comparison to Gage. So, um, you know, I, I kind of question the upside unless there's an injury there. Um, but, you know, last year going going into the season, we were pretty low on Gronk and he kind of smashed our volume uh, expectations. So, uh, you know, curious kind of where we end up this year, how, how much we over or correct there um, based on this past season. But, yeah, overall in this offense, just just love attacking. I mean, high scoring. Um, you know, going to be aggressive passing the ball. So I'm, I'm all in on Tampa Bay again this year. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really hard to uh, see it going bad unless Brady gets hurt. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Leona, you mentioned Fournette is the one guy who, who you're bullish on at his current ADP. And I think at his current ADP, that, that definitely makes sense. I just think that might rise more. The one I found myself drafting a lot is Evans because that with Russell Gage instead of Antonio Brown, and then Godwin has the uncertainty with the injury. Um, I think we have Evans as wide receiver 10 and, and in, even in these like super flex drafts that I've been doing like the past couple of days, like Evans still goes uh, outside the top 12 receivers. And I think that is a place that I think uh, we should be attacking because his target share the past couple of years has not been like anything obscene. And I think with AB out of the picture and Godwin potentially not on the field, at least for like a couple of games at the start of the season, I think Evans could really skyrocket back into that that 20 plus percent target share and, and have a big season no i'm glad you brought that up because i've actually like triple and quadruple checked evans's like inputs and they're honestly kind of conservative it's just the nature of an offense that's going to be again like among the league leaders in scoring and among the league leaders in pass attempts like you don't you don't see that that often um and again the air yards thing that i brought up like 30 more air yards per game than the next closest team. That's like a huge, that's like an extra, like two games, like over the course of, I mean, it's then, then a second place team. So I get that. Let's go to Arizona. Um, they lose Christian Kirk in free agency. They lose Chase Edmonds. They do resign James Connor. Uh, I've struggled with Connor where 
like for some reason i'm just like a little hesitant to make the bet on him but the upside does seem like pretty significant depending on what else they add you know, right now we've just got james connor and you know benjamin and we're kind of assuming they're gonna you know bring in someone else but we don't know for sure if they don't like the upside for connor is really high it's you just basically if you can have some chase Edmonds light targets with connor's goal line role it's phenomenal um and then and when you look at the wide receiver situation too i'm back in on rondell moore he burned me last year after early i thought it was gonna be such a smash and it wasn't but you know i think aj green's still not signed and it just seems like he's gonna have to play a pretty meaningful role so i'm, I'm ready to, to run it back on him mark what are you seeing here yeah, I think I think they're going to make uh, a few additions this offseason, obviously. So, you know, a decent amount up in the air. I would expect them to add a running back either in the draft or in free agency. You know, it's a pretty deep running back draft. Um, and I kind of doubt they're going to want to go into the season with, you know, relatively injury prone James Conner and then Eno Benjamin, who they haven't shown much confidence in. Um, I agree with you that I'm more in on Rondale Moore. Uh, Pat Green brought up on, on your podcast with him that Christian Kirk, you know, operated a lot better out of the slot in his time with Arizona. So I think um, just what we've seen with, um, you know, the offense there and, and Cliff Kingsbury is he really kind of typecasts his wide receivers and, and slots them into specific roles. Like when Hopkins went down, he pretty much just gave that role entirely to Antoine Wesley and didn't really, you know, mess around with where, how he was utilizing Rondale Moore. So hopefully the slot uh, stays open for him and, you know, I would expect uh, that, that role to be strong in this offense. They're going to continue to go four wide. Um, the, the target share we saw for Zach Ertz down the stretch was just, you know, kind of mind blowing. I would expect that to be a little more distributed throughout the offense. And obviously, you know, if Hopkins is, is healthy for the season, we will see that, but yeah, I'm, I'm in with you on Rondale. Um, and then in terms of the backfield, I mean, the, the contract for James Conner is really strong. So I'd expect them to utilize him as the feature back. And then if they do bring in, you know, another young back, um, I would expect him to get, expect that person to get more of the receiving role. Whereas Connor, you know, I think is, is so strong around the goal line. We've seen the Cardinals be one of the best offenses in terms of just giving their running back the ball uh, around the goal line and, and scoring touchdowns. Obviously Kenyon Drake had that role a couple years ago and Connor really excelled in it last year uh, with his 16 touchdowns. So yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I think again, I'm, I'm, am a little worried about how he holds up in this offense, but uh, I do think they will bring in someone to kind of spell him on, on passing downs and um, yeah, overall, you know, kind of agree with you on the, on the Rondell Moore side. Yeah. I do think we see Connor's ADP rise right now. We have him as a value two to three running back spots ahead uh, of the RB 22 ADP. I think he'll, he'll rise and then it'll be another conversation whether or not we want to jump in front. Uh, let's close out the pod with looking at two AFC teams with quarterback changes. Let's start with Indianapolis. You know, they send out Carson once they bring in Matt Ryan it seems like to me, like a slightly plus move. I think Matt Ryan's probably better than Carson Wentz. I think it's good for Jonathan Taylor, just kind of solidifying the role. Like, like the team's going to be fine. Like there was some concern for me, like if they had ended up with a, like a pretty bad quarterback that, you know, this rushing efficient dependent back as talented as he is would be pretty risky at the top of drafts i still think he's a little bit risky but ryan too will you know he'll check down throw to the backs i think it's good for him um jack do you have any takes as far as ryan's impact on either taller or the rest of the offense including michael pittman 
who were a little bit behind ADP on. We were last year and we were wrong. Uh, we are again this year right now. And Mo Ali Cox, who like, I'm just tentative to give any tight end too big of a share, but with Jack Doyle gone, it's possible, you know, he gets a you know bigger chance to shine. He was pretty good from per target basis. Yeah, I like Pittman. Um, and I think I might lean a little bit more toward his, his wide receiver 27 um, in terms of how I value him as opposed to wide receiver 30 where, where we currently have him. I mean, Pascal is gone, T.Y. Hilton's um, future is, is up in the air. He's a free agent. Um, I assume it's either maybe retirement or Colts for him. I, I feel like it's hard to see him anywhere else, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I think Pittman could be in for a really nice target share. We have him projected right now for a 22.7% target share, which is, which is plenty big. Um, but I mean, I think Wentz to Ryan is a pretty decent upgrade. So I'm excited about Pittman. Um, and, and in that, you know, wide receiver three area, I would definitely take him. And then Mo Alley Cox, I'm kind of with you in that he gets buzz every year just because of like his, like, he's such like a size speed specimen, you know, played basketball in college, like all that stuff that like people love with the tight ends, but it hasn't really materialized into like a huge role yet. And so I would be a little hesitant to give him um, too much upside, even with, even with Doyle out of the picture. Mark Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger retires. Trubisky comes in. Uh, I think for me at first, it's kind of like Trubisky. Like, I don't know if that's good. And then I was like, well, anybody's better than big Ben. Um, but there's this weird, the way, the way things go together, I guess the way the puzzle goes together, I feel like this could be better for the offense as a whole, but like not necessarily better for like the fantasy value, I guess, of Deontay Johnson in particular, like, just because whenever you get a receiver that was just fed such a huge target share and, and really dependent on a high catch rate for that, like I'm a little concerned if the target share drops a few points, the catch rate comes down a handful of points, you know, he's going to need a lot of efficiency to make up for that. So we are behind ADP on Deontay Johnson to start. We're actually behind ADP on um, Najee Harris as well. Um, just again, like a little bit concerned about this offense, but Najee is the type of back that like you do sort of want to bet on like a younger back that has shown the ability to have a workhorse role. It's like kind of that dynamic versus the inefficiency. So your thoughts on Pittsburgh. I think all the off season moves have, have helped Najee's role the most. Um, you know, this offense, like they just kept cycling through offensive coordinators and it didn't really matter because Ben Roethlisberger was pretty much calling all the shots there. It seemed like, so, um, you know, Matt Canada in college, I know was wanted to employ more motion and, and big Ben just didn't want any part of that. So, um, I think this offense could open up a, a little bit more in that regard. Like, you know, they, they were six in the NFL last year in passing plays per game. I would expect that to be much more towards league average, if not below average this year. Um, you know, I could see them really leaning on Najee. I know they made a couple offensive linemen signings as well. Um, not qualified to comment on, on whether or not that'll help that much. I'll leave that to Brandon Thorne and his work, but you know, I think Najee just the, the volume was insane last year. I would expect it to be very similar this year and just out of control. Um, you know, Trubisky, I, I don't think is a, is a great passer. Obviously I'm, I, I think the hype on him has gotten a little out of hand. Um, you know, I don't think he was a great prospect coming out of college and then, you know, floundered in Chicago. And um, I, I don't know. I just don't really, I don't, I don't really see it for him. So Deon, like, I, I think I'd rather be higher on Chase Claypool just uh, in, in terms of volume. Like, you know, he should be secure 
in terms of snaps and routes with James Washington out of the picture. Um, and then Deontay, as you mentioned, the volume was just so good with Big Ben and they really had a good rapport. So I think that, you know, it will take the biggest hit for him this year. So I think at current cost, I'm more in on Claypool than Deontay. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm not super excited about this offense. I, I do. It seems like, you know, they're probably the favorite to draft Malik Willis at the at, at this point, if he does drop that far. So that could be pretty exciting. Um, but overall, you know, I think it's it's Najee and then Claypool out of the receivers. Random dynasty take, but I'm in a league where like I'm in a rebuild and sometimes like you can only get so many picks, like people really attach their picks. So sometimes in, in those situations, I like to get a player that's like a Chase Claypool where they're they're still pretty young. They flash before, but they had a little bit of a disappointing season. And it's like one one good year, like one year where he exceeds expectations and like his dynasty value could really rise a ton. So like trying to find those pieces like that and, and Claypool is one of them for me. I don't know the odds of that happening, but like it's, if he has a good year, I know for sure he's going to be, you know, a top 25, top 30 dynasty wide receiver pretty quickly. Um, Jack, any, any last thoughts on Pittsburgh before we get out of here? Yeah, I think just the point about them drafting a quarterback um, is something to keep in mind that Mike kind of touched on. Their GM said that uh, they they could draft a GM. I don't. I know they've been tied to Willis a lot. Um, I don't really think he gets to them, but they're definitely a, a candidate to trade up. So I would just say, like, if if you're someone who's into Trubisky right now, I think that risk of him not starting 17 games is something that needs to be considered pretty heavily. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jack and Mark. Make sure you're checking out Establish the Run. You can see all the rankings that me, Jack, and Mark are working on continuously this off season to get you ready for your best ball drafts. And uh, in, once we get into the summer, into our season long drafts as well. If you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up, like us, subscribe us. It helps a ton. And same to, same thing on uh, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, getting those ratings and reviews goes a long way to allowing us to continue to do this for free. So thanks for tuning in, everybody.